0: We get into songwriting a bit? Yeah, man. Yeah. So, well, I I have to. I have close to home was like, one of your masterpieces. I mean, I in fact, I think it, that song probably is. You, that's that's the, the 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 high the high mark. I think. I think you'd have to agree that. Yeah, and what what was the impetus of that song? Where did that come from?
1: Well, I always say my prayers. I I pray during a day. I pray during you know when I go to bed at night. Were I used you always to, were you always spiritual? Uh, yeah I mean uh, when my dad died, I was nine years old, and uh, Billy Graham was in Flint, Michigan um, and he was at a stadium and he had a, the, the place was full uh, and and my my mom and all of the relatives uh, aunts and uncles, grandmas and grandpas uh, they were all in the dining room uh, crying everybody was crying and uh, my dad. Delton, he had just purchased this television set just before he died. And it was prior to that, you know, we always would listen to the radio. We'd gather around. My mom would pop this big bag of popcorn and we'd we'd like listen to the radio. And this all the why they were uh, talking. The film was running in our heads and our imaginations were what was filling in the gaps there. But when my dad died. I wanted to get away from that crying and stuff because it was making me feel real bad. I was nine years old, you know? And then I walked in there and Billy Graham was on the television set and he says, are those, is there anybody out there that needs a touch of love because God is love? And, and and he started talking my my ears, like locked onto his words. And I'm going, he must be talking to me. I walked in here. He's looking at me. I'm nine years old. I'm thinking he can see me. And, you know, uh, it was the first television we had. So he says, I want you to walk up and put your hand on a TV. And so I walked up there and I received Christ as my savior. But nine years old, I really didn't know what I was getting into, except for the fact that I did feel something. Uh, spiritual. And I didn't relate to it as being spiritual at nine years old. You just don't know what it is. You just know that there was a a healing and it was a separation from the voices I was hearing in the other room of my aunts and uncles and all the people that were crying and trying to uh, console my mother. Uh, So, you know, I, I did commit. I did ask Christ into my life, but I went off, became a rock star and all this stuff. And uh, and then in 1982, my wife, Lisa, left me and, uh, and I started looking for God because I was sitting in my uh, dining room and I was about halfway through a 12 pack and I see a vision over in the corner of the room. And, and she'd been gone a week at this this time uh, at this point. And I saw this vision of me with my hand on that television set, brother Mick, praying with Billy Graham. I saw that it was just like a real, like the corner of the room opened up. And then there I was in this vision. So I started looking for God. I said, Oh my God, I got to go find God. And I went to the hellfire and brimstone. I would always sit near the back of the church in case I wasn't into it. I would skate, you know, uh, it, God ain't in the hellfire and brimstone. And and, I mean, I went to a lot of different churches. And finally, I got into this little church where this guy was preaching on the institution of marriage, according to God's word and how people walk out the front door of the church. And they leave all that solemn oath and everything that they proclaim before God and the congregation, they leave it back in the church instead of taking it home and putting it to practice. And I'm thinking this guy knows my story. He's man. He's shooting me with a gun with no blanks. These are all loaded bullets. He's hitting me. So when he gave an altar call, I went forward and I rededicated my life to Christ. And I, I told the pastor, I said, I want my wife back, dude. I, I just really need my wife. You know, uh, we had two sons at the time. I said, I need her. And can can you just pray to God to, to bring her back to me? He says, I'll tell you what, son, you pray and I'll agree. So I prayed just like I'm talking to you is how I pray to God. And and I got, you know, I got it off my chest. I said, I want her back. I don't care what what she's doing, what she's been doing. Uh, all that's a it's a of no effect on me. I just need her because I love her and I don't want to live my life without her. And that day, 50 miles away in another city where she was living, she gave herself to Christ. She gave her life to Christ. And we got back together, and we're going to live happily ever after. We've been uh, together now 44 years. So, uh, you know, we've really putting it to the test. But when the night that I prayed uh, for a song that would reach and touch the hearts of those that the creator wanted to get to, It was at the end of my, now I lay me down to sleep prayer. And I put that little PS on there. I got up in the middle of the night and I wrote the words uh, to I'm your captain, but I didn't know it was a song because I get up, you know, a lot of times and write words down that are never songs. They're just something that's coming to me. And And I learned that you can't lay there in bed and think, okay, that's a good idea. I'll remember that in the morning because you'll never remember it. That always goes by. So anyways, I, I write these words and I got up in the morning and I'm playing, you know, uh, I had a George Washburn acoustic and made in the USA a great sound and had all that bass low end to it. And I started playing. pop pop I'm going, wow, where the heck did that come from? And then I played this C chord inversion that had such a chime to, and I just reached around the neck and grabbed this chord. I, I had never played this chord before. I just, I went, wow, that thing is, that's awesome. And as I'm thinking in them, trying to memorize where my fingers are on the fretboard, I'm thinking about those words. Are those really lyrics in the other room? So I ran in there and I grabbed them and I brought them back out into the kitchen. I laid them down in front of me. I hit red on the cassette recorder that I had. There's a little portable cassette. I hit red and I start. And then I And it just came to me. I'm singing. I'm reading the words. I'm singing the song. And then it gets to the bridge. Am I in my cabin dreaming? You know, it's like it. And I'm feeling I'm feeling like spiritual as I'm singing this and I'm singing it to God. Like, you know, I record this whole thing. I take it to rehearsal that day. And uh, both Don and Mel said, Farner, man, that song's a hit. Even though it's like 10 minutes long. But at the time, we were doing uh, the Upbeat Show in Cleveland, Ohio. And the Upbeat Show was, you know, they would have a lot of people in in their live. Uh, James Brown was in there. Uh, the the time I'm talking about, James Brown was in there, and uh, Otis Redding was in there, and uh, Mitch Ryder was in there, and and we were in there, and uh, and I'm showing David Spiro, the owner of the station. It's his son, David, uh, and and Walter, the owner, uh, he was a great guy. You know, uh, would always have us come over for a barbecue or some chicken or something after we'd play a show one of his TV shows. But anyway, we're, I'm showing David, I said, this is the song and I'm playing da, 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 and I start playing that C chord. I said, look, look at this so- this chord right here. Listen to the chime, listen to the harmonics that are coming off this, this chord. And he's going, yeah, yeah. So the band leader, Tommy Baker comes walking over. He says, Farner, what is that? I said, that's the song. I'm your captain closer to home. It's something we're going to be recording you know, at, at Cleveland Recording down here with Don Hammond. And he says, dude, leave me some room. He says, I'm hearing all kinds of stuff, man. I'm hearing strings. I'm hearing an oboe. I'm hearing a French horn. And uh, he says, just leave me some room. He say, when you get to that final refrain, just keep going, going, going. He says, and when you can't do another, when you think you can't do another turn, do me 10 more. Right. So that's what we did. We got in the studio and I said, okay, boys, this is it. And when we get to the end of it and we think we can't do any more, we got to give him 10 more. So uh, Tommy Baker came up with all of that orchestration at the end and, and gave it, you know, and Terry Knight uh, put the, the waves and the seagulls and he put the sound effects in there and gave it that, that character, that people could relate to and, and it had the space in there and the the tempo track was all over the place brother uh-huh. i mean if you listen to it i mean it's like <speaking> and then you go and, it, and you know it's it's just like it's human it's breathing and i think that's possibly why uh it well at least it adds to uh the reason that someone would, would like that song in the first place and The Vietnam veterans, man, love that song because they were hanging on to I'm getting closer to my home." Every soldier wants to come home. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's the last thing they do, they want to come home, man. They don't want to die over there some foreign land. They want to come home. So uh, that's that's where I got it. And the significance, I believe, is because there was never a video to it. It's the movie that was playing in our heads i hope
0: there never is a video yeah,
1: to it yeah man
0: you know I, mean, I i miss my imagination i hear you buddy yeah yeah you know when, when the whole video thing came in and we we started watching one person's perception of what a song was it it, I, it, it seemed to destroy it for me i think that's why i i i uh, the, ni- the nice thing about Steely Dan, well, mind you, when Steely Dan pretty much folded, the video was they folded when the video thing started happening, so they never really got into that anyway. Yeah. Those guys were just locked in the studio the entire time. They weren't. Yeah, they weren't what you would call a visual band. They were. Like, That's right. Uh, they were like uh, jazz snobs that uh, played uh, rock and roll. You know. Yeah. Yeah, they were stuff. awesome. Yeah, but well, wow, yeah, closer to home, that 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 song is still magic to me. I, it just is. And and like you say, that orchestra buildup as it goes and goes and goes, da, 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 and, and you know, and the flutes and oh uh, it's yeah. it's brilliant. It really is. And so that was decided before you even cut the song.
1: Yes. Tommy Baker heard it, and all of the stuff was going through his head, and he could hardly wait to to get a you know his pitch in and and uh, it, with my conversation with the owner of the station's son, David. And and David became like the vice president of the Rock Hall, and he I think he's managing. Uh, well, he did, he managed Joe Walsh for a while, and uh, oh, you, uh, some of the Eagles, some other you know. Uh, he's still in the business. David is, but uh, Tommy Baker, that guy was amazing musician, and he heard all of this stuff as I am playing the song to david in the studio you know on my messenger because that messenger had a an acoustic nature to it as well
0: hey thanks for joining us check out our other vignettes and full episodes from a wide variety of guests for more great content please like share and subscribe and become a member at socialenergypresents.com to access premium content and earn valuable energy points just for watching